All right. Well, once again, it is uh, really good uh, to be uh, with you guys this morning. Today, we, we decided to take a little short break um, from our series on Esther, although it's been incredibly good um, and timely uh, to be able to get into it, to understand what God was doing um, in that book and in that story through the life of Esther, uh, seeing God's sovereignty, seeing His will accomplished, and uh, so many other things. And we want to take a break from that to kind of discuss some things that are going on both in our culture, some things that are going on in our church, and um, look at God's Word together. So, um, so today we want to have just a conversation about some things like unity, some things like love, honor, obedience, and faith, and uh, how they apply to our current situation. Without a doubt, uh, the past four months have been an incredible challenge uh, for us, not just for some of us, but for all of us. They've challenged some God's people like never before. They've challenged us as Americans, like, uh, or at least possibly like never before. We've had to wrestle with things like, how do you respond to a pandemic? Um, as though any of us have actually gone through that before. We've had to um, wrestle with, uh, what do you do when you can't trust experts or you can't trust leaders, or at least you don't know which ones you're supposed to trust, or what part of what they say and when they actually say it, what um, you're to trust. We've had to respond to how do we handle anxiety like never before, fear like never before, anger, distrust. What do we do when our brothers and sisters, we feel like they're doing things that are foolish? How do we respond when restrictions or demands are put on us by authorities that we either don't agree with or we don't like, or they're not enough? What do we do when we feel like um, life hangs in the balance with ours and others' decisions, but others seem to just not care um, and possibly endanger um, myself or my family? We have uh, these questions. There, there are many more, uh, without a doubt, <laughs> for us, and, and we can't handle them all this morning as we sat this week and talked through this and, and read through uh, God's Word and wrestled with our own challenges. You know, we thought, oh, we could easily do six, seven, you know, 100 weeks <laughs> on many of these things. We actually even thought, well, what we'll do is we'll go Old Testament on everybody, and we'll just start with Genesis 1 and read until we're done. And, um, but uh, I don't think that would at least be possible for now, although it would be interesting <laughs> to, uh, to and do to, that. And to do it standing up. Yes, the whole time. <laughs> um, I, I vote no. <laughs> um, and with all of these things, this fear, this distrust, this anger, the anxiety, all of those things um, keep growing uh, week by week. Um, there seems to be more bad news. There seems to be more contradictions. There seems to be more numbers. There seems to be more demands and more mandates. Um, our anger grows. Our confusion uh, grows. And our flesh uh, begins to take over. And I hope that you felt that. I, know I have felt that. If, if you've been uh, close to me over the past four months, you, you've seen uh, my flesh uh, rise up and at times take over. And if we're honest, as, as we wrestle with our flesh, sometimes we begin um, to not see um, the God who saved us, and we just see what's happening in front of us. So um, today, um, some things that um, we want us to acknowledge. Um, one, uh, Paul and I, uh, nor any of our elders, are medical experts. 
Uh, we're not constitutional scholars, um, and we're doing our best um, to look at God's Word, to help us understand it, to help us apply it, and uh, see how it means, what it means for us each day. We want to acknowledge that there are, to this whole situation that we're in, as people, as a church, as a country, as a world, uh, that there are lots of complexities, um, and uh, that the magnitude of some of these issues is incredibly significant. We want to acknowledge, too, that there are deep personal beliefs um, that we have, there are deep personal feelings that we have, and um, just, again, I want to acknowledge just my own um, struggle uh, with these things, my own times, my own sin of pride, my own sin of arrogance, uh, rebellion at times to what um, God's Word um, has clearly said, um, or at times to to how I um, think or communicate about um, people around me, and um, I too am human. So today, we want to together, uh, we want to do um, a, few, a few things as we hit the pause button on just some of the, the sin and the struggle and the complexities. Uh, we want um, to together look at Scripture. We want to see what it says. We want to see Scripture and um, how it uh, talks about the greater things, the bigger things, um, things bigger um, than a mask or a piece of cloth, things bigger, quite frankly, than what my constitutional rights are or aren't. We want to look at God's Word. Uh, because it's just as relative um, today, or relevant today, um, than any other time in all of history. Um, God's Word uh, remains through all of these things. And uh, we want to take some time as a church, as a family, um, to pray together Mm -hmm. um, that we might um, hear God, that we might see God, that uh, we might, um, as His people, um, follow Him, and we might be an example to the world, um, that we might share the gospel um, by how we act and how we think and ask God to transform us. So, what we're asking here this morning is that you just lay aside for a few minutes, um, maybe six, seven hours, some of the anger, some of the confusion, some of the worry, the anxiety, the fear, um, and we want to together look at God's Word um, for guidance. So, at some point this morning, if you feel those things starting to rise in you, just set them aside uh, for a few minutes. And let's, let's hear God's word, and let's ask the, uh, the Holy Spirit um, to speak to us. So with that, let's pray. God, today, uh, we know um, that we are um, merely um, people, um, fallen, um, corrupt, at times people. God, we acknowledge, too, that we have been created in your image, that you have given us um, a brain to think and to reason God, that you have planted within the heart of every human a desire um, to know you, to have a relationship uh, with you. And God, we acknowledge this morning that uh, we as people, God, we struggle um, at times with our own sin. God, we struggle at times with um, how to understand or how to apply. God, we acknowledge this morning that uh, with this whole COVID situation that, um, God, we take... Um, great um, encouragement, the fact that you are not surprised um, at all um, by any of this. And God, that uh, you are um, still and forever sovereign, that you are in control of all things. Um, And God, that you will accomplish your will. And God, we just ask this morning that you would grant us the privilege to set aside our struggles. God, that we would hear from you, not not opinions, um, not other beliefs, 
God, that you might grant us clarity as to um, what your word says, what you'd have us to do, and a God, that you would grant us the courage um, to simply just trust you and uh, through it all. And God, that you would transform us and change us. And God, we more like you as a result of hearing from your voice today. Help us today, uh, we ask. Grant us wisdom, grant us grace. And um, it's in the great, glorious name of Christ we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, we want to um, just establish um, this idea um, as we start that um, God's word is um, clear on many things and several of the things it doesn't also speak to. As a lot of us are, are wrestling with uh, what to do and how to respond um, in some of these moments, um, we just want to kind of lay just a, a foundation, a basic foundation of understanding that um, God has established and God has ordained um, three spheres of sovereignty or three spheres of authority uh, within his creation. Um, the first one is that um, Christ is the head of the church. If we look at Ephesians 5, uh, we are um, in all things as God's people to submit um, to the head, that which is Christ. And uh, he is sovereign over us as his people. Um, number one. Number two, um, that um, God has also placed um, dads and husbands um, as um, authority over their families and over those relationships uh, within them. And that um, within the church, um, it is Christ's job uh, to bring us to a place of transformation and to present us one day before Christ. It is a, a dad's and a father's job uh, to um, lead uh, his family to present them one day um, to Christ um, as well. And so there's uh, three spheres. There's the church, there's the family, and then there's also this civil government piece, which is kind of where um, a lot of our um, anxiety and our fear, our concern, our anger, um, our pride right now is really um, pulling at us. And that God has placed um, government as an authority. He has established it, and we're going to talk through some of those verses um, here as we go. And then what does that look like? How do we respond as God's people? Not as um, peons, not as lemmings going off a cliff, uh, but how do we respond as God's people to what God's Word says uh, about those governing authorities? And when, when do you not um, adhere to, obey, or submit to those governing authorities? What are some of those things? We're going to talk about them. So, but also we want to acknowledge, too, that in, in those three spheres that there's overlap, right? So particularly let's talk about with um, the family. So as the government um, has laws um, about um, how someone might discipline their child. So if um, I'm abusing my child, we would want and expect, and I think God does too, the government to come in and stop that. And he steps in, um, and there's an overlap in that sphere where the government steps into um, that family sphere. Also within, let's say, the church. So there are um, all kinds of laws that govern what the church can and can't do. Uh, many of them are found in things like building codes and those kinds of things. So recently, uh, we have felt that there has been an overreach, that the government has stepped in or stepped too far, and where there's potentially just overlap, or have they superseded and gone too far, and we need to respond um, out of civil disobedience to that. So when lines are fully crossed, not just blended a little bit, not just a little bit uh, right there, but when they're completely crossed, uh, what are some things that happen? Uh, one, um, it goes against God's design. 
God has designed um, for dads to, to, to be head over their family and the responsibility that goes with that. Um, he has clearly ordained Christ as the head of the church. And for, for us as dads to overreach that um, and to step into the church and say, nope, I'm a, I have authority over the church, you can see how that can clearly cause a problem. And you can see how when the government would step into um, the sphere of authority with the church, how that can also cause significant problem. I would add one thing to that. It's it's not just that, you know, a dad would step into the church and, you know, take over the authority of Christ, but also God has ordained uh, elders as the spiritual overseers. And so you, you wouldn't have him coming in and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be the elder. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to be, you know, so, you know, uh, husbands and wives have authority over their children. You know, the the husband is the head of, of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And within government, there are various types of authorities, you know, from presidents and kings to governors yeah. and, you know, even police departments. So there, there's a lot of authority even under the umbrella of the government. Yeah, absolutely. So when, we, when, when, when people start um, taking a, a charge in the wrong sphere, we see that it goes against God's design. We also see that it displaces those who God has either called or qualified or gifted or ordained. Scripture is clear that he has ordained and put in place um, governing authorities. Um, even if uh, we think those people might be evil. Um, scripture is clear that he has, he has established that. When we cross those lines, it also replaces them uh, with people who aren't called and qualified or gifted. Uh, we also see that clearly things don't turn out well. There's significant amounts of um, ineffectiveness, significant amount of waste. There are people that are um, assuming the role of an expert in areas that they're clearly not. Um, and so we also um, see that... Um, for us here, uh, we're struggling um, not just with this biblical idea, but we're struggling with how to apply it and who um, do we um, submit to. Uh, we're wrestling with um, local mandates or state mandates. We're wrestling with where does that um, have tension or go against um, a state or um, a, a national constitution. And uh, we're wrestling with that. And this morning, I just want us to be just honest as we wrestle through some of these things as we look at um, God's Word. So what we're going to do, um, we're going to dig a little deeper and look at some of these things. We're going to look at some of the, the greater things that I think um, are, are much more important for us to focus on as well. But um, mm -hmm. so how are we going to look a little deeper? Well, I, obviously, your idea of starting in Genesis, <laughs> yeah, we would hit everything, but we'd be here for a while. Uh, there's no way that we could cover every biblical principle, every biblical command, yeah. um, you know, in the time that we have allotted. But we have spent some time thinking about what are some of the, the clear passages of Scripture where there's clear commands, um, gives us a... Uh, a definitive response generally on behalf of Christians everywhere at all times in every circumstance and situation. So we thought it would be good to start there and then a little bit later maybe talk more specifically about how we're going to respond. But I think first and foremost, uh, we, we have to acknowledge that um, a biblical response is going to start with the understanding that Christ is preeminent. 
He deserves our ultimate allegiance. Um, we are to follow Christ at all costs. Nothing should hinder us from that. We don't set up idols. We don't bow down to kings, to presidents. We don't put the Constitution over God's word. Um, we, we've got to be very clear that Christ has our ultimate allegiance. And along those lines, you know, Jesus says, if, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so one of the ways that we demonstrate our love for God is by obeying his word and the commandments that he gives us in scripture. So I think it has to start also with a, a true submission to God's word as the final authority in life and practice. So we are to submit to the authority of scriptures. Now, as soon as you say that, if you mean it, then Every command in Scripture falls underneath that. So we know... I, I can just look into people's hearts right now. It's like, oh, great. He's going to make me wear a mask. He's going to uh, make me do it. And then some people are like, oh, get him, Paul. Get him. You know, I, I've been walking with Jesus for a while. I, I have yet to find that command in Scripture, you know. would that make it easier? Yeah, it would. Thou shalt let's, wear a mask Let's face it. How, most people want to have boxes they can just check off, right? Anybody want to have a box? Yeah. So, uh, but, but we're to submit to God's authority. And Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, and I just realized I got my clicker here, so I've got to, oh, and he's got it up. That's wonderful. Um, but uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul writes this. He says, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. And I think the reason why that passage is so pivotal is because Paul is, is, is making a distinction that this book that we hold in our hands is not the word of men. It is the very word of God. It is God-breathed. And, and there are so many scriptures that speak to uh, God's word as being infallible, inerrant, completely trustworthy. Just read Psalm 119. <laughs> the whole chapter deals with the word of God. And when you start with the premise that this is not just a collection of worldly wisdom or good ideas or opinions, but this stems from the very person of God himself. It is a reflection of who he is in his will for our life. That changes the game. Yeah. And unlike human opinions, um, it doesn't change with the wind. You know, uh, ideas, opinions, uh, theories on things will come and go, but God's word doesn't. In fact, in uh, the book of Isaiah, we read that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. We can stake our life on God's word. It will never change. And so, so we follow Christ at all costs. We submit to the authority of scriptures and we are to honor, and this gets to one of the commands, we are to honor those in authority and to pray for them. Uh, you'll notice Peter says this in chapter two of his epistle, verse 17. He says, honor the emperor. Now this week, if you happen to be in, in a life group, we're gonna be diving deep um, into another passage related to this we'll talk about. But you have to understand for a moment the context 
in which Peter is writing. Peter wrote his epistle um, several years after Paul wrote the book of Romans, but both of them wrote during the reign of Emperor Nero. Do a little research on Nero. And when you then come to this passage where Peter says, honor the emperor, it's mind-blowing. And then Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he says, first of all then, I urge that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. And, uh, you know, you mentioned how you have been struggling and wrestling and how God's been dealing with you. This is, this is one area where God's been dealing with me. Yeah. Um, because the truth is I found myself grumbling and complaining far more than I was praying. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm not grumbling and complaining as much, but I'm not sure I'm there on the praying part yet. But, 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 but yet this is what God's word says to pray for. And you can't help but wonder if, if, if we spent more time praying for those in authority over us, might we have a better outcome than merely grumbling and complaining about what we don't like? Yeah. I mean, it's easy, right? Mm-hmm. Especially for some of us every Thursday at 2 o'clock. Um, it's so, I mean, it's where I struggle the most is uh, about the 2... 207, you know. If you ever come by the office and you go into Eric, don't, you know. don't do it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is a struggle. And, it, and uh, you know, I, I wish that these passages that talk about um, submitting to authority and honoring those, I wish it would say, uh, unless you disagree with them um, or unless you think they're an idiot or, which I don't, I don't, um, or, um, you know. Yeah. Or even it, unless unless they're completely corrupt people. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. I wish it did. And that's why I think uh, Romans 13 and, and, and 1 Peter chapter 2 and Titus 3 are so powerful because you don't see it. Not one time. And, and, and so, you know, we're to honor those in authority. We're to pray for them. But as you have just mentioned, we are also to obey civil authorities and laws. If you have your your Bibles. You can turn over to Romans chapter 13. Some of the scripture, and by the way, if you haven't figured this out, we're going to be throwing a lot of scripture at you this morning. Uh, Some of which will not be on the screen, the longer passages in particular. So hopefully you brought your Bibles with you. But we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 13. I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version. This is what, um, what the Apostle Paul here says. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. 
for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. Um, And again, there's that absence of unless. And understanding, again, the historical context in which Paul is writing makes this even more incredible. In the book of Titus, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says this, Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. And then in the First Peter passage, we read that, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So I think it becomes very clear, and there are other passages of Scripture, including back into the Old Testament that we could look at, but I think it becomes very clear just even looking at these three texts um, that we are to obey civil authority. But here comes the, the question or the caveat, is it ever right to resist authority? And the answer to that is yes. I think we clearly see that in Scripture as well. Uh, You go back to the Old Testament, there are several examples of that. You have the Hebrew midwives uh, when Pharaoh gave the command um, that if uh, uh, a Hebrew male child is born, you're to kill it. But if it's a girl, she can live. And they chose to disobey. Um, You have uh, Daniel um, disobeying the king's orders. You have uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I always have to work hard to get that name out right. Um, Also, uh, you know, disobeying. And and then if you fast forward into the New Testament, um, you have a passage like in, uh, I think it's Acts. Uh, Here it is. Yeah, Acts chapter 5. Uh, verse 27 and following, it says, and this is speaking of Peter and John, he says, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. So it's very clear that there are times where um, we're called to, and maybe I would say we're even obligated to to disobey those in authority uh, over us. Um, But I think that just knowing that that's the case, we shouldn't be so quick to do that because the scripture is so clear on submitting to uh, those in authority. Now, 
Those are just some of the things that are clear in Scripture that ought to be a biblical response of every Christian. But there are other things, right? Yeah, so we hit uh, to honor uh, those in authority and pray for them to submit to the authority of Scripture, to obey um, civil authorities and laws, and, um, and at times to resist any authority that requires disobedience from God. Um, we also see in Scripture that uh, we're to love and honor one another. 1 Peter 2, verse 17, it says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood. Mm-hmm. In John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. In Romans 12, which we, we thought about just reading all of Romans today, <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's incredibly applicable. Um, in Romans uh, 12, 9 and 10, it says, uh, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Mm. And, um, you know, for me, um, this is where, uh, for me, um, I I have really um, been grieving um, as I see um, Christians um, around um, our country, Christians here um, in our church, and in, in some of the things that um, we say about one another. Mm-hmm. And they're not loving. When we call people um, idiots uh, or fools because um, they come to a different conclusion in a confusion than we do, um, it's not loving. When we say, if you go outside without a mask on, that you are killing my family, it's not loving. Mm-hmm. And, and there are all kinds of things. You've seen them. You've heard them. You, we might have said them or thought them. God calls us um, to love one another. He calls us to a whole lot of other things, too. Uh, to be devoted to one another. To honor one another above ourselves. He calls us to live in harmony with one another. He calls us to build up one another. He calls us to be like-minded towards one another. To accept one another. We haven't even left Romans yet. Um, He calls us to admonish one another. He calls us to care for one another. He calls us to serve one another. He calls us to bear one another's burdens. He calls us to forgive one another. He calls us to be patient with one another. He calls us to speak the truth um, in love. He calls us to be kind and compassionate to one another, to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He calls us to submit to one another, to consider others better than ourselves. He calls us to look to the interests of one another, to bear with one another, to teach one another, to comfort and encourage one another, to exhort one another, to stir up one another towards love and good deeds. He calls us to show hospitality to one another. He calls us to employ the gifts that God has given us for the benefit of one another. He calls us to clothe ourselves with humility towards one another. He calls us to pray for one another. And he calls us to confess our faults to one another. He also tells us to not lie to one another. In Romans 14, to stop passing judgment on one another. 
to stop biting and devouring one another. He says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Do not slander one another. Do not grumble against one another. And we must um, adhere to these things because we are members of one another. Mm-hmm. We are members of Christ's body of which he is the head. We must um, adhere to these things. Um, we must, as people, also be together. We have to be present with one another. And we could go on. There's many more, but... Uh, well. You know, you listed all of those things, just rattled them off, and I, I think it's one of the it's one of the strongest argument for the church to gather together in person, because you can't do those things in isolation. You can't do that. While, you know, and I realize that uh, for some people, it's a necessity to to be watching from home, um, and um, and there may be seasons when when that is okay. Um, but the very definition of the word church, ecclesia in the, in the Greek, means a, a gathering or an assembly of called out ones. Yeah. And so we, we aren't the church if we aren't assembled together. You know, again, allowing for uh, some brief uh, respite from that, but, but by and large, um, you know, you, you just take the forgive one another. Um, you can't, you can't, Obey that command unless you're close enough to someone to allow them to hurt you so that there's something to forgive. How do you carry people's burdens if you don't know what they are? And, and so I, I think one of the, the things in all of that is, is not only it's the responsibility of every Christian to obey these commands, um, but I think it, it touches on the, the command we find in Hebrews that we should not forsake the assembling together as is the habit of some. Yeah, so that we might encourage mm-hmm. one another. We need one another. We are members of one another. Mm-hmm. And then in Galatians 5... Um, It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. As God's people, um, I'm not interested in us um, being unified on mandates or pieces of cloth, but for us to be together on God's word and to stand with one another when we struggle, when we might disagree on some of these things. And, and by the way, um, if, if you haven't been paying attention, I'm confident more struggle is coming. Uh, we see um, our brothers and sisters in our country that are being told they're not allowed to meet or they're not allowed to meet in a building um, or they can't sing. Um, We we might, even in this room, disagree on some of those things, um, but we are to be together, even if on some of those issues we disagree. God has called us um, to be together, to love and honor one another. Hmm. You know, thinking about 
all of that, especially Galatians 5 there, you know, um, that... You know, we're, we're free in Christ. That's one of the beautiful things that the, the atonement has, has done for us, and we're to walk in that freedom. And um, although there are clear commands in Scripture that we are required and obligated to obey, there is a great deal of freedom, too, um, in, in the application of, of biblical truth as we, as we seek to do it. And... and and yet Paul here is saying that just because you're free <laughs> doesn't give you a license to hurt others, to injure others. Um, you know, that's why he's, you know, he tells us we're not to look out only for our own interests, which we should, but also the interests of others. And that love is the, the thing that keeps us on track. It keeps us from going off um, on, on the deep end. And I think this relates very much uh, to Romans 14. Uh, another lengthy uh, passage where we're told to accept the weaker brother and not to put a stumbling block uh, in his path or ahead of him. And, and before we go there, <laughs> all of us are thinking that the other people, whoever the other people are, are the weaker brother, right? Uh, be open to the fact that you also are the weaker brother at times. Yeah. So that's why as I was thinking about us reading this, I was just thinking, well, it's going to apply to everybody because everybody thinks that they're the stronger one, right? Yeah. So very good. Um, but, but here, I think we need to beware of pride. We need to beware of an air of superiority that can so easily creep in. Um, we, we, when we find ourselves disagreeing with other brothers and sisters in Christ on peripheral issues, issues important but still peripheral, um, that's when our heart can be lifted up in pride. When we start to think that we know more or know better than other people, that's when pride raises its ugly head. And in case you didn't catch this from a couple of weeks ago, just, God hates pride. I'm just so glad that I never <laughs> wrestle with this, Paul. So Wow. Okay. Um, we won't go there. But um, listen, uh, we're, not to, we're not to look down. We're not to judge. You hear the people laughing out there? Uh, no, oh, they have masks yeah. on. I can't. It's, okay. it's muffled. I was just wondering just, if maybe they knew something I did. Coughing. So, uh, but we're not to look down. We're not to judge. We're not to hold in contempt those who hold different convictions on matters of secondary importance. So once again, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Romans chapter 14. It's kind of neat. You got 13 and 14 and 15. 12. So this is going to be a fairly lengthy passage. Um, I'll put the reference. I hope you're jotting these references down too so that you can go home and, and read them. And just curious, does anyone want our notes later this week so you can just see? So we can, we can put that out um, so you can have just your notes. Starting in verse 1, chapter 14. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains, who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. And by the way, um, if you want to insert the word mask, if that helps you, um, do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, or anything else. But sorry, go ahead. Okay. 
Um, Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day is better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Now I know and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking or wearing masks or not wearing masks, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then... Let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. We, we could, we, this could be a message that we could preach over two or three Sundays. I'll simply move on to Romans chapter 15, verses one and two. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. He goes on in Corinthians, First um, Corinthians chapter eight, um, in this issue of food being offered to idols, verse seven, chapter eight. It says, "However, not all possess this knowledge, 
But some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge of carrying, I'm sorry, eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so, by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. It's this idea that um, it's love, it's not knowledge, um, it's key to our Christian conduct. Uh, we're to love. And if that means uh, we abstain or uh, we do something or not do something uh, for our brother, uh, we do it out of love. Can I tell you, um, I like meat. <laughs> I mean, I really like meat. That's, that's deeply and I, 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 I'm just thinking about what Paul is saying. And, and if, if I have that attitude... I realize what what he what what I would be saying. No more ribeye. New York strip, filet mignon, deli meats. You, you know, you know. I I, I, I I know you talk often about this tri tip. <laughs> oh yes. Most of us don't even know what that is. Oh, beautiful cut of meat. Wonderful. Clearly, you on the grill. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, um, I just offended all the vegetarians out here. Um, but I, I think they're secure. They're yeah, okay. the, the, but, but what I'm getting at here is this is no small thing. This is, this is a sacrifice. I mean, I guess that's what I'm saying. For me, that would be a huge sacrifice because of how much I enjoy it. Now, I don't know if Paul enjoyed it as much as I do, but it, it would be. Um, and I think in a, in, a, in a similar way, that's how many people feel about the mask thing, too. It's, yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's more that, that we could read on that issue, but um, just moving on. Um, that God also wants us as his people to maintain unity. Mm-hmm. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. In 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 11, finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and, and the God of love and peace will be with you. In Ephesians 4, verse 1, therefore, prisoner for the Lord, um, urge you, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Um, who I struggle with that one. Um, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond mm-hmm. of peace. Mm-hmm. In Philippians 2. He writes, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. 
Do nothing from selfish ambition uh, or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I think for us, um, you know, coming out of this passage, you know, do we all have to agree on whether we should or shouldn't wear masks? Do we all have to agree on um, how effective masks are or are not? Uh, Do we have to agree whether um, six foot of social distancing is really better than three or should it be 12? Um, I don't I don't think at all uh, that it's calling us to agree on all of that. Um, I think that for most of us, many of those things um, are beyond um, our understanding, and um, that's where we get some of the struggle of it's difficult to know uh, which which study, uh, which expert um, to to believe um, in all of these things. I mean, I mean, even in other things like. Um, you know, should, should we all agree on end times doctrine? And if not, you know, someone's sinning. Um, I don't know. Do, I don't, do we agree? I think we agree. On most of the stuff. And if, if not, I mean, I'm right. Um, I mean, I don't think we all have to agree on whether we should shop at Target or not. I, I don't think we have to agree on that. Um, should you um, download or use TikTok? Or not? We shouldn't, but we don't have to agree <laughs> on on all of these things. And I mean, there's all kinds of things that um, we don't have to agree on. But when it comes to matters of Scripture, the things that we have already talked about, um, Paul implores us through God's Word um, to be united, um, to agree with one another. Um, and um, to help one another. And, and this idea, uh, going back to the Ephesians 4 passage, that he calls us to not just agree, but to be eager, um, eager to maintain unity uh, when our flesh is so eager to be divisive. Uh, we should be eager um, to maintain a unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Well, it wasn't that long ago we were in a sermon series in Ephesians, and we talked about this very thing that that we are to maintain the unity of the Spirit until we attain to the unity of faith. We're never going to have the unity of the faith on every single point of of doctrine, every secondary piece of information in this life. But, you know, we, we mistakenly think that in order to have unity of the Spirit, we have to be in agreement on all those things. And Paul flips it on its head and says, no, we work to maintain the unity of the Spirit until we attain to the unity of the faith. Love covers a multitude of sins. And speaking of of that, another biblical response, another command in Scripture that I think is apropos right now, that is true for everyone, everywhere, at all times, is to repent. God calls not only those who are unsaved to repent, but he calls the saved to repent. Repentance, at least in in my life, feels very much like a daily thing. Uh, Maybe it ought to be hourly. I think this is why John writes, you know, if anyone sins, you you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is, this is after you come to faith in Christ. 
because we're all sinners. We all fall and, and, and fail in many ways, and, and we are called to repent. So repentance is not a one-time act. God calls individuals to repent. Um, you know, Peter stood condemned. You know, the great apostle Peter, you know, um, you know, Paul confronted him to his face. So it doesn't matter how seasoned you are as a Christian. There are going to be times when we have to be called on the carpet and we have to respond accordingly. In fact, when you turn to the book of, of Revelation, you find God calls entire churches to repentance. And one of them happens to be the church of, of Ephesus that Paul spoke so highly of. But in a span of 30 years, they got to a place where, where God says, you have to repent or I'm removing your lampstand. There is also the church at Pergamum, of Thyatira, of Sardis, and Laodicea. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 9, or 19, excuse me, it says, this is the Lord speaking, those whom I love... I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And, and I, I know that this is a, a verse that is used oftentimes in evangelistic outreach, but the context makes it clear that the picture is Jesus standing outside of the door of the church to the church, knocking, while people are gathered inside, supposedly worshiping him. And Jesus says, would somebody let me in? Would somebody open the door? And if you do, I will come in. I will sup with you and you with me. That, that's, that's a convicting passage of Scripture to look at. So God calls us also to repent. And then the last thing I think I'll mention um, this morning is, is that we're called to trust God. We have no reason to fear. Who... What can man do to us, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? We'd, how many times throughout Scripture are we told, do not fear or fear not? And, and, and how many times added to that, fear not, for I am with you? What comforting words. And I, I think of what uh, t uh, Paul says in 2 Timothy. Actually, I don't have that one up on screen, but it says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And then probably this verse is memorized by most of you. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all, all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And then the prophet Jeremiah says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. So those are just some of clear commands, clear biblical responses that are applicable to us regardless of the situations that we find ourselves in. But earlier I, I, I mentioned we would be coming back to some specific responses. And so why don't you, you know, share with us what, what are some of our responses as a local church? Yeah, and I would just encourage you, um, before we move on to this, this, this next piece, 
um, think through many of the things that we've, we've already read in Scripture and make a mental note, write it out. Um, I need to, uh, what is it uh, you need to do? I, I need to love other people better. I need to um, um, encourage one another. Um, I need to repent of certain things. I need to seek unity and be eager um, for seeking unity. What is it that God is telling you um, that uh, we've already talked about? Um, I need to be more patient or kind or loving or whatever that might be. Um, so where are we on this whole um, mask mandate issue that um, our, our governor has um, put out for us? And um, so what we wanted to first establish is that there are many, um, many things that we as God's people need to be focusing on, um, much, much more important, much higher um, than any mandate that our governor might give. And uh, all of the things that we have said are true and have informed where we're at with this. Um, so the, the question becomes, uh, what should we do with this mandate? Um, one, uh, we think we should um, follow Christ and we should obey his word, um, period. That's where we should be. Um, and um, with this idea, we also know um, that um, not all of us are gonna agree on this mask issue. And uh, for us, I think we've come to the conclusion that um, we're not looking um, as a church, um, as pastors, to all agree on this issue. Um, but we, we do want us all to look at um, God's word. And when it says for us to submit to um, governing authorities, what does that look like? And for us, um, we, we've come to the conclusion um, that for us, uh, we, we should adhere to the mandate that our governor has given. We don't feel um, that it is um, in conflict with scripture, it does not keep us um, from meeting. It does not ask us to stop meeting or require us to stop meeting. It does not keep us from singing, although it is difficult um, to sing with a mask on. Uh, we, we believe that uh, we should follow it. Um, we also acknowledge that there are clearly some exceptions in the mandate. There are those with health issues. There um, are um, times when you, you can have social distancing and not be in a public entry space, if you're six feet away from other people, that you can, you don't have to wear one. We, we also acknowledge that there are different interpretations of that piece of things. And um, for us, uh, we're not looking um, to become mask police, nor are we looking to become um, people that are enforcing a government's um, mandates or rules or laws. That's not what we feel like we're called to do. Um, so. Uh, you might ask, well, well before I go there, um, so some might say, well, I can um, follow God's word and submit to God's word, um, but I am submitting to um, a, an Ohio or um, an American constitution and not submitting to this mandate because this mandate violates that constitution. Um, I know that some of you here um, might think that, wrestle with that. Um, I know there are brothers that we have and sisters all over this country that are wrestling with that question. Um, we're not in any way saying that someone is wrong for thinking that. Um, I, I would say, um, I think you, you've gotta be really careful because um, to, to make that statement I think is on some pretty shaky ground. And even if you do believe that, you have to ask the question, well, what, what do I do in the meantime until this is tried um, in the Supreme Court, which assuming they even accept this, <laughs> um, what do I do in the meantime? 
how do I obey God's word um, when there, there could be a, a conflict? Can I add something to that? Um, it's, not, it's related to what you're saying, but I think it's an important point to make is, you know, if you're going to draw the, the, the line on masks, I, I would ask you to think, what if you, what if you were in a third world country where you're being persecuted to the point where you cannot meet together with other believers uh, without a fear of losing your life um, or maybe your, your family's life. Uh, but, but then you go to, to, to this individual and say, hey, um, what if you could meet together with other believers and not have fear for your life? Don't you have no worry about dying, your family, there'll be no reprisals. You can meet together with other believers. The only catch is you have to wear a mask. Is there any doubt? They'd say, give me the mask. I think the obverse is also true. If, if you went to them and, and said, hey, um, yes, you're, you're being persecuted. You, um, you're in danger of your life. You can't meet together. You're forced to be in your basement by yourself, maybe with your family. You can't interact with other believers. But what if you could gather with other believers? And, and you, you wouldn't be arrested. You wouldn't die. But there is a 1% chance, 2%, whatever, that you might get sick. I think, again, you would have people sign me up. So I know it's not exactly germane to where you were going, but, but I, I, I do think that as we jump on the bandwagon for looking at the higher authority and which one do we, you know, I think that adds some perspective for us that I think is helpful. Yeah. Well, and, and there's, there's, there's all kinds of logic that we've all had, right? Um, in regards to this, and, and, and we, we come down on different sides of it. Um, and I, I think, for me, um, I, I choose to wear a mask according to the mandate, um, not because I agree with the mandate, mm-hmm. um, not because I think that the, the governor should do that. Um, I, I wear a mask not because um, I think that it's going to um, keep anyone around me from dying or that if I don't wear it, I'm going to get everyone sick. Um, I can choose to wear a mask because I believe um, God has called me to be submissive to the government and my best understanding, and this is where I'm, my interpretation, my, my best understanding is that this mandate isn't um, asking me to do something against Scripture. And my personal opinion, this is my opinion, is that there's, I don't see anything in the Constitution that says um, no government shall demand I wear a mask. Um, I, I want it to be there. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Um, but I choose to wear a mask uh, out of submission to God's word, mm-hmm. not out of submission directly to um, local authorities or um, the information that's out there. Because, again, I, I'm not a medical expert. I, I've got some strong thoughts in regards to um, masks, uh, but I won't share them here. <laughs> um, however, um, I want to honor God's word. Um, I don't want to be um, in, in violation of it, nor do I want to um, harm anyone that is here um, or set an example that would cause somebody else um, to sin um, or to go against their conscience. So, that those things, and I, and I think um, those things matter to all of us. 
um, that God's called us to. So um, as we've looked at it, people are wanting you know, us to, to come out and say definitively without question, um, you should wear a mask in all of these situations, but not in these. Um, I just, I wish it was that simple. Uh, I really do. Um, I just don't think it is. And so practical questions. So if you show up on a Sunday morning here um, and so you walk in the door, our, our Paul and I, um, we're not, we're actually going to make Ryan um, stand at the front door and, and turn everyone away <laughs> that doesn't have a mask on. Um, Ryan wouldn't do that. Um, no, uh, good grief, no, because I, I think that would be in violation of all of the other things um, that we've talked about um, today. Um, no, nor are, are we going to be militant um, in the way that um, we um, adhere to it. I, I don't think the scripture is calling us to do that either. So I, I, I took my mask off when I, was, um, when I came off stage. Um, and when I, when I came back on stage, I didn't have it on. Uh, before I sat down, was an officiant at a, at a service. Although I, you can make an argument that I was, but because um, it, it messed with the microphone. Um, but I, I don't think that anyone's sitting around. Oh, Eric! Oh, he took it off for an extra thirty seconds. I, I don't think that's what God's calling us to either. So, so I, that's where we are with it. Um, we're not we're not interested in being the mask police, nor will we um, be the mask police. Um, that is not um, our job. Um, there is um, grace um, in where you are with it. But we are going to encourage all of us, including ourselves, to look at all of these things that we have talked about in, in Scripture and how we're to treat one another and how we are to adhere to God's Word and how His Word doesn't change. We are going to ask us to wrestle with the Scripture that calls us to submit um, to governing authorities because God ordained them. Um, and um, there is judgment for those that don't. Um, we, we, and we want to do our best um, as, as your brothers um, to, to begin to ask questions, well, well, well where, where would we not submit um, to some of these things? And, and these aren't necessarily cut and dry in every situation either, but um, we want to just share just a few of those kind of thoughts with you. So you stole my thunder. That was my question to you. So, oh, you're going to make me answer So it. what I'll kind <laughs> of things might uh, we choose to not submit to? Because I'm sure people are wondering about that. Yeah. All right, so I guess I'm sharing some of them. Um, that's not what the notes say. Um, uh, Eric here, and it doesn't say Paul till there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so folks, that is Paul, proof that I Eric am... is not always right. <laughs> I, I am, I am, I was wrong. <laughs> Will you forgive me? Um, Appreciate the humility. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, it's always fun on, on camera. So a uh, couple things. One, if, if there's any way that we are asked or told um, to disobey um, God and his word, um, we, we think scripture clearly calls us to defy that order. And I think we should. If scripture calls us to not meet uh, or I'm sorry, if our government calls us to not meet, um, it is quite possible that we would defy that order. Are there instances where our government might ask us or demand that we not meet, and we would be in agreement that it's not safe uh, for us to meet together? Um, we, yeah. So if, if the building's on fire and the local authority of the fire department is standing outside and say, don't go in and meet, um, or there's a bomb inside, um, yeah, we're, we're going to agree with that and follow that. Um, in the beginning, 
for us as a church back in mid-March. Um, although on one hand, the school said you can't meet here. That kind of pushed us to going virtual. But we continued to choose to do that because at that point, um, we believed that if we meet as a church, and millions of people are going to die. Um, clearly, that's been proven to not be the case. Um, so as we began to understand um, it's, it's safe for us to get together, we did that. Um, although, just to be clear, our, our governor did not demand um, that we not meet. Um, so if, if our government asks us to limit um, who can come or how many can come, that is quite possibly something that we would um, defy because uh, we, we don't see that at all in Scripture. Um, is it possible that we would say um, we think we should uh, limit how many people um, are there, or we have brothers around um, the globe or even in our own city that are choosing to do that, and we, we give grace to them. We, we think that they can choose to do that. I don't think that's against Scripture, but um, it's certainly in, in that realm. Um, if we're ever called to not um, preach the gospel, um, let us be clear. We will continue to preach it, um, even if that is um, at the cost of our lives. Um, and we all should continue to preach the gospel uh, without question. Uh, we will defy that order. Um, so I mean, there, there are other things, but those are the kinds of things that our, our current world is facing right now. Uh, you're probably aware of, the, of what's happening in California with um, Grace, um, was it Grace Community, I think, with uh, John MacArthur's church. Um, they are um, defying um, part of the order that is there. And um, there are many cases where we, we would be in full agreement with them. Mm -hmm. uh, but all of these things aren't, they're, they're not always cut and dry. There might be reasons that we would comply with such an order. But to, to not preach the gospel, that one, that one's, mm -hmm. we're preaching the gospel. So. Yeah. For the sake of time, uh, we're, because um, we have just set the record, by the way, um, we, we want to talk about you know, what do we do? Where do we, where do we go from here? And do so very briefly. Uh, I'm going to condense what I was going to say at this point, but the, 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 the main thing I want you to take away is we need wisdom. We need to be wise and walk in wisdom. Scripture says we are to be wise, not unwise. And there's so much more that, that I could say there, um, but I won't. Uh, I will draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where we're told that knowledge makes arrogant but love edifies. We have to be very careful when it comes to, you know, jumping on the bandwagon with the latest conspiracy theories or, or just controversial statements. Um, we've claimed we're not experts on, on medical stuff. We're not experts on constitutional law. And so when we start talking about those things, we're out of our league. And we've got to be very careful. And sometimes the things that we say can border on gossip or even worse, bearing false witness. And so we need, to be, we need to be wise. And Paul admonishes us and tells us that, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Um, we have to be wise. And fortunately, um, you know, James tells us, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives it liberally. Yeah. We also just want to encourage us all to be the church. Um, we, we want to encourage you. If you are able, um, we think it's important to be together. 
Um, if fear is keeping you away, let's work through that together. Um, we also want to sing. Whether you're wearing a mask or not, we want you to sing and sing loud. Um, and there, there's something about being together with the body of Christ and hearing the body of Christ proclaim um, God's goodness. So if you are wearing a mask, sing even louder. Um, we want to hear you. Uh, we want to live in community. We want to love God. We want to love people. We want to continue on the mission as a church of making disciples without question. Uh, we want to pray uh, for our leaders, for one another. We want to pray for wisdom, for courage, for humility. We want to pray for God's will to be done where we need to um, or should. We want to, as God's people, repent of any of those things. So... Um, we're confident um, that with, as with us, uh, we're confident is with you. There's much um, for us um, to process here. What we want to do is just, um, before we actually close in a song or two, um, we, we want to spend some time praying. Whether you pray there by yourself, uh, whether you pray with those that you're sitting with, whether you um, sit in your seat or kneel or come forward, whatever that might be, uh, we want to spend um, several minutes um, just praying um, and asking God to search our hearts and that uh, we would um, submit to him, um, not necessarily a mandate, but we would submit to him in all things. So as God's people, um, let's do that. And then um, we'll close in just a few minutes.